0: So thank you for joining us. It is now, welcome to Burgess Power Hour. Oh my goodness, it is February 2024. Where is the time going? So welcome tonight, today, tomorrow. We're going to be talking about love and grief. Sometimes they go hand in hand, don't they? Right? And uh, as Khalil Gibran says, the height of our, the depth of our sorrow is measured and equal to the height of our joy. So that's why love and grief is sometimes all kind of meshed together. And so I just welcome you tonight. Um, I'm gonna to have a special guest that's gonna be leading us through. I'll just be quiet until I need to be <laughs> not <laughs> and let her lead us through and then welcome for joining us. And as always, uh, you wanna get pen and paper if you've never been to any of our Power hours. You definitely want to have that ahead of time because she's going to be leading us through an experience to support you. And uh, we like the experiential part. Essence of Being is all about that. We've been doing uh, this 31 years. So uh, this is uh, what we're doing uh, tonight. So thank you. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce Sue. So Sue, she she goes by Sue TK. Her name is Sue Tabaka Kripjek. So now you know why we call her Sue TK. She's a certified Essence of Being coach for us. So she coaches for all the people who go through Essence of Being and all of a lot of our graduate levels and Conscious Leadership Academy. She's um, a member of that as well. She's also a consultant or her company, she's consulting with her Fascination Factor. That's what she loves to do. She's passionate about being a confidence trainer and she helps individuals design programs to really create strategies for their success. And she's been a teacher for 30 bazillion years. And um, not that much, but, but close. And awesome. she has a new business that she is starting and she's uh, we're helping supporting her with this in our Conscious Leadership Academy, her fascination factor. And uh, it's for tenacious, not the fascination factor, the tenacious teachers she's starting. So she's working with personal and pro development with teachers to develop their power, passion, innovation, prestige, trust, mystique, and alertness. <laughs> so, I'm inviting her to support us through, and without further ado, here's Sue. Hey. Thank you, Bert, and thank you to
1: all of you who have showed up tonight. Um, as Birge said, I am Sue TK, and I am here to talk about love and grief. And I'm excited to share some insights with with you about this as well as to give you some tools that will help you navigate through love and grief. And so um, in case you haven't done so, grab paper and something to write with because you're going to be experiencing some things, by writing some things. the yoga sheet Monday? Pardon? Okay. All right. What is love? I would bet right now that you have an idea in your head about how you define love. There are so many definitions out there about love and there are a lot of expectations about love. So as we start tonight, we're going to look at how you define love and I am going to go through eight different types of love and we probably, hopefully experience seven of them and not the eighth one. All right. So love is a complex topic. It's a mix of emotions, behaviors, and beliefs. And most of the time they're associated with affection. They're also associated with protection and warmth and respect for others and They're also about principles and ideas or animals or religious beliefs or things like, I love ice cream. Well, do I really have an attachment to ice cream? I hope not because I probably weigh about 500 pounds. But the best definition that I have heard for love is this love is anything that nourishes you so think about that now if you are in a relationship with a partner a spouse that relationship feels good when it nourishes you another part of that definition is Anything that helps you feel a sense of connection, a sense of belonging, a sense of safety and trust. And I'm going to say worthiness as well, though I'm going to caution you to not allow love to depend on worthiness that you get from someone else, okay? It doesn't have to be just a romantic or an intimate relationship. And if you think of love in that way, you deny yourself a whole world of connections and relationships and other people. So I'm going to just briefly tell you about the eight different types of love. The first one is enduring love. This is the kind of love that grows over time. It's it's building a relationship. And that relationship can be physical or emotional or intellectual. It doesn't have to be a marriage or you know a ceremony or anything like that it's the kind of love that grows stronger because you face challenges together and you support one another and you continue to grow that's the big part of enduring love all right the second kind is universal love And this is the one where you know we're all human beings. We're all connected. We're a part of something that is bigger than just us. So that's universal love. For example, you know, you might be part of a group that you love. Third type self-love, all right? This is the good, healthy love that incorporates making decisions and living intentionally. So self-love, you eat healthily, you maintain friendships, you contribute to society and you take care of yourself, both physically and mentally. And I know over over the years, I have had people ask, how do you love yourself? And that's something, that's a good definition. It's taking care of yourself by living intentionally. So it's a good one. All right. Next one, passionate love. And passionate does not just mean romantic, intimate, sexual love. It's a state of intense longing to be in union with another person, but still maintaining your individuality. So you create an emotional connection. And lots of times, passionate love turns into enduring love because you're together over time and you've made a commitment. Sometimes friendships fall into that category as well. All right. Next one, playful love. And this is absolutely the most wholesome form of love. This is where you get out of your head and you get into your heart and you play. You're free. Think of yourself as you did when you were a kid and you had fun. You just, whatever you did, you had fun. You you, you didn't care what others thought, you know. If you were playing softball with kids in the neighborhood, who cared if you struck out? You know, somebody might give you a little bit of grief, but it was all in fun. And it builds an emotional connection. So definitely, playful fun is a very wholesome form of love. Next one, deep friendship. These are the close friends. They're part of your tribe. They know your thoughts and feelings. And and it's someone to confide in. Someone that cares for you and trusts you. And you care for them and trust them. So deep friendship. The seventh one familial love. And this is one and I'm I'm chuckling because I wrote down family connects. And it's a different kind of love in a family relationship because a parent and a child have a different relationship than siblings have. And we like to think that family relationships are healthy relationships and sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't which is why we need those other types of love but in a in a in a superior world families would provide support and dependency and everybody would feel that they were loved Unhealthy would be when someone enables someone else or they're codependent. So um, the eighth type of love, which is the only type of love that is. Uh, it's It's one I'm not comfortable with, but it's obsessive love. And that's because it's not about love. It's about controlling. It's about thinking that if you control someone you're going to get their love and this is the one where it's unhealthy it's toxic um this is where when someone needs validation so badly that
0: hey can you hear me
1: obsessing about it they keep going back to an unhealthy relationship so Those are the eight types of love. All right? So now on your paper, just for you, either circle or write down the top three that you feel you have in your life right now that are really good. The top three. All right, I'm going to continue on. And I hope that you could see yourself in at least seven of those. If, you know, we don't want you in the obsessive kind, but that's just me. So, all right. Why are we not adding grief to this discussion about love? Well, grief is all about loss. And at some point in our lives, we lose something. And just as love is complex, grief is complex. It's a natural reaction to losing something, to loss. And if you lose any of those things that are good about love, you're going to experience sadness and you might be able to pick yourself up and get back into a good feeling when you're in love and you've got good friends, good family, a good partner. Grief is slightly different because even when you believe that you have your grief under control, it's not always necessarily true, okay? And just as there are different types of love, there are different types of grief. But very quickly, and you don't have to write this down, but Elizabeth Kubler-Ross did a lot of research and came up with five stages of grief. And these are not linear, but anger is one of them. You can be really angry about losing someone through death or a partner leaving or whatever. Um, Bargaining. You can imagine, you know, like, reaching out, and I, I pause there because I know that I've done that, reaching out to God or my higher power and saying, if you just do this for me, I will... Okay, and it's not that I can't make an agreement. Another <clears throat> another stage is depression, where you just emotion emotionally detach. You don't have a desire to do anything. You just you you either sit and binge watch Netflix or you stay in bed all day. Um, you have acceptance, embracing the reality even though the pain is still there. So denial is, of course, the first stage. And that is probably the first stage for every type of grief. And the other four that I listed, you know, come later. But most people like to deny that they've lost something. And it doesn't have to be a person. As I was working up my little speech for tonight, I was reminded of losing a job. It is the only job that I was fired from. And I was fired through an email. And it happened seven years ago. And believe it or not, it still comes up for me at times. Um, because I haven't had any closure, and it was for it was for a summer job. I worked my butt off. I was a kitchen manager, and I loved it. And to be told by an email that we don't need you anymore was devastating. And trust me, I went through the stages of grief. I did. And there are times when, Something triggers me and I will think of that and I will feel bad. However, not as bad as I did when it originally happened. So think in terms as well of financial stability. What happens when you lose your your financial stability? All of a sudden you have this much money and now it's gone and these emergencies are coming up what happens if you lose a dream or a goal, you know, something that you have wanted to do for so long? Um, For those of us who are aging gracefully, sometimes age, losing our age, losing our youth can be, you know, a loss. And there are times when I look in the mirror and I see my sister and she's five years older than me. Anyway, I see my sister and I think, What is she doing here? And it's like, no, I'm getting older as well. So now I'm going to just really quickly go through the different types of grief. All right. You can have anticipatory grief. That means that you can grieve something before there's an actual loss. Say, for example, you know someone is old and dying or has a terminal illness and I, I did go through this. My mother just passed away now in January up in Wisconsin. And I knew that she was 95 years old. I knew she was going to die. And so it was that anticipatory grief. Um, however, I did allow myself to enjoy the time that I had with her. Okay, another one is abbreviated grief, and this is where if you've done your grief in the anticipatory stage and you've kind of worn yourself out from grieving, um, you might not grieve as long. It's abbreviated, and we all have different timelines. There is no timeline for grief. Another one is delayed grief. And this is one that shows up when all of a sudden a holiday is coming up and whoa, all of a sudden that person isn't there. Um, Or you might be so busy handling all of the responsibilities of planning the funeral, writing the eulogy, all of that, that you don't. Grieve until later. It's delayed. Another type of grief is inhibited grief. And this is where you repress your emotions. They might be confusing emotions and they might show up physically. You might begin to have headaches or anxiety or not be able to sleep at night or stomach issues or even panic attacks because you're holding grief in, you're inhibiting it. And then cumulative grief, where you're working through multiple losses at a time. Say one who was terminally ill, and then you lose your job. Or you lose your job, and then you lose someone who was terminally ill. And lots of times you, you may have heard that when couples experience the death of a child, they divorce. Well, that's cumulative grief because it it comes after. And you're both still grieving and you don't know how to grieve together. So cumulative grief. Collective grief. And this is one that we probably all feel. And I will use the example of school shootings. When Ever we hear about a school shooting, I believe that we as a society most often have collective grief. And um, I survived a school shooting. I was not in the building where it happened, but I was in the district. And let me tell you, every time I hear about another school shooting, I go through a little bit of you know a day where it's just like yeah i it's it's not normal it's not normal so those are the types of grief all right that was a lot of information to digest i know that and so we're going to try to process some of the things that you just heard so i want to encourage you right now i'm going to give you some prompts and I'm going to have you do a stream of consciousness writing, and what that means is, with the prompt, you just write whatever comes to mind. There is no right or wrong, um, and then we're going to debrief. I'm not going to leave you hanging. We're gonna we're going to talk about what comes up for all of us, and so feel your feelings. All right, ready? All right, prompt number 1. I need a love partner in my life to do what? Okay? I need a love partner in my life to Finish up the one that you're on. All right, next one. When someone I love dies, I feel what? Fill the rest of that in. When someone I love dies, I feel. Okay, finish up that one. The last one is when my spouse or my partner, friend, or pet leaves me, I feel when my spouse. Or partner, friend, or pet leaves me. I feel. Okay, finish that up. And now I would love to hear from some of you. What came up as you were writing the answers to those?
0: Could you see a pattern uh, at
1: all, mm, Bob? Raised his hand. Bob, what did you see?
2: Um, I'm I'm kind of to quote the song, "bewitch, bothered and bewildered" at the moment because I've gone through the grief of losing a spouse, and as I was writing, I couldn't help but remember, you know, how historical breakups were prior to me ending up with him and how they're just okay. It is what it is since he's passed. Um, They're just not as hysterical as they used to be for me personally. And um, I I know in the past and it, it showed up on the paper. So this must be, so this I'm willing to see this as a recurring pattern, but I feel like I'm never going to be loved again. And I'm starting to see how that sort of plays out in my life, how it was there in the past, but I never it in those words, the feeling like I'm never going to be loved again.
1: That is something, yeah, that does show. um,
2: And even in that first question, um, you know, I wrote, I, I, I want a love partner who understands I've already been widowed. And, you know, as I went through, it's like, you know, I want to avoid that level of grief that I experienced after my partner died altogether. I mean, once is enough. Thank you. I've earned my medal. Get, just pin it on the chest and let me go.
0: May I say something? Yeah. Spirit? Go ahead. So again, many, do many of you feel that way sometimes when you feel like I don't want to, lo- I don't want to feel that again. That was too hard. If you put a pet down or if a spouse dies, or if there's somebody that really you love that just leaves, it's like, I'm done with feeling and I'm just going to feel from here to here. <laughs> I'm not going to feel the joy or the happy or the love because I don't want to feel the anger and the sadness and the depressed and the grief. And so you walk around as a, war- yeah, a wounded warrior, just basically kind of like a walking dead, just kind of cut, just in the middle somewhere, not allowing yourself to feel. Remember about the height of joy is, is measured to the depth of sorrow. And so oftentimes we will do that sometimes. We will just kind of, like, I don't want to feel it. And so just be mindful of what I'm. we're saying. We're going to give you some tools at the end here of what you can do to open up that heart space. And I know you're doing it, Bob. I know you're opening up that heart space again, because I see you and I feel you, that you're able to open that up a little bit more and just say, you know what? It doesn't have to be the same. And I just heard something, Sue, I don't mean to take over, but I just heard something interesting about People think grief gets smaller over time. You know, it just kind of gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and I won't feel it. But perhaps grief stays the same. It's just life slowly begins to grow bigger around it. And so it's up to us to choose, do we allow ourselves to feel as much as we can and be, um, authentic and real. So that, I'll hush with that. But orbiting in love, I'll talk about, or Sue will talk about yeah. later about mm-hmm. that. But uh, i right. see more. So is that good, Bob? Are you good? Okay. okay. So Sue, I think Marlon has his
3: Hi. um Hi. I think um, for me, um, for a very long time, the loss of loved ones, um, hasn't been as intense for me because um, I know they're still there. And, you know, a lot of loved ones that have passed, uh, I still talk to them, like my dad, my grandma, some friends. Uh, but I noticed with the prompts one and three that, um, you know, I, I feel I need a partner and I I felt for most of my life that I need a partner. And um, and when, when partners or friends or, or pets leave me like, I feel empty. I feel like not whole, and I think um, I've, you know, I, I've I've made the mistake of like putting my worth and validation into what others think of me, and um, you know, and if they're close to me or not. Um, instead of doing instead of getting that worth from myself, um, and consequently, like it's been like when when people leave me or when they they don't want to talk to me anymore, um it's, it's, it feels very devastating. Um, I think because of that.
1: I can imagine, you know, I, I really can because just losing my mother, um, who is, was still is my best friend. You know, it is that feeling there's nobody that can take her place. However, uh, I believe you said it best when you said that you felt that there's something to be filled. Marlon, I'm going to ask you, you know, like, how do you fill yourself up with love? Do you have strategies that you use to make yourself feel good instead of feeling lost?
3: Um. Yeah, I I mean, I, I would like a lot more. Um, but something that I do is I talk to my inner child. Um, when, whenever I feel betrayed by someone um, or lost, like I, I tell my inner child, like, I love you. I'll always be here for you. Um, you're perfectly safe. There's nothing wrong with you. Uh, no matter who leaves, I'll never leave you. Um, and, and that I noticed that like really... Um helps me, you know, the, the reparenting, um, oh, yeah. because uh, um, I mean, uh, obviously all of us um have the childhood wounds that from our parents, um, and you know a lot of time they they are just doing the best they could, uh, they didn't mean to heart hurt us, um, and yeah, I do that, or, um, or I I do mirror work. I look at myself in the mirror, and I tell myself nice things and. Um, I also um, watch my internal monologue you know and when whenever something happens whenever I make a mistake or I or something happens that I don't like, you know I, yeah. I, I tell myself hey, you did the best you could like it's okay we can try again instead of um, being negative and, and mean to myself, you know like you, you idiot why why did you do this? Uh, and I, I notice in our culture, like most people talk like that to themselves, you know, and I certainly did. But, you know, it, I, I've noticed a huge difference, you know, when I'm more loving and compassionate to myself instead of judgmental and condemning.
1: Sounds as if you have some really good strategies that you are using. And that shows all of us that. It's possible. I like that, Marlon. Thank you for that input. Has anybody else ever had any of those feelings,
0: issues? Bert? Yes. May I say something else? Yes, you sitting, may. Thank sitting you. Sitting on my hands, you know. Uh yeah, something that Marlon said. Um, and of course, Marlon, with essence of being, honey, you've come a long way, absolutely. So I'm just loving to see how you shared that. So thank you. Thank you, you Brad. Yeah, thank you. That you're embracing that more and more. So that's awesome. The thing that I wanted to, sh- to share with all of us is, and I think you may were going to say about the orbiting in love or not, Sue, but the thing that I really want it's one of my favorite things to talk about because it comes up about we're we have a void, we have a hole that we want somebody to fill up, right? And you know, many times if we do feel empty and that other person uh, leaves right it's like that uh that's who my i identify with that's my other half so i've said that to sue i said so if if that's my other half then what am i a half my half person so we identify with other people we say please love me please love me to prove to me that i'm lovable and when we do that with people, of course, it's devastating if or whatever we're, we're we're projecting that on, of course, it's going to be devastating when they're not there because then that means you're not lovable or now where do I go? Who am I going to be with? How can I fill that up? And so the concept of orbiting in love is instead of falling in and out of love, because when you fall in love and fall out of love, it falls, gravity hits it. And so orbiting means... You're a whole and complete person within yourself. That way you're going to attract another whole and complete person to you. And what you're going to create together is the synergy. It expands. You become an us. Right, Sue? You want to tell them the one plus one One equals three? One plus one equals three. Because you want
1: feeling of being whole just as you are. It's your birthright. You're, you're, whole you're you're whole and complete and it's 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 vital for your mental health and your physical health that you know them. because when you know that you are whole you're able to accept love in a different way i i believe anyway i mean it's like my family the first time that i went up north to take care of my mother and i was gone for six months and my husband was by himself my family called me to see if tom and i were doing okay and i said yeah we're you know we're fine we're fine we're comfortable enough with each other that we don't have to be attached at the hip we don't have to give up ourselves to be us. We just combine uh, one plus one equals three. And it's a good feeling. When I first got married though, you know, and, and this may have happened to some of you as well, when you were younger or were falling in love for the first time, you really felt that, man, you had to give up everything to be in love. And it's like, Getting to this point and the orbiting in love, a Buckminster Fuller uh, concept of orbiting in love is is just so good. And it's it's not just in love, it's in uh businesses and masterminds as well. You know, when you work with someone and you combine two, it's not you know, one and one, it's that third third being. So Definitely consider that, that expecting others to fill up a void in your life is. Well, I'm going to say, I think it's going to cause you more grief than happiness. And when you are, when you allow yourself to be with other people and to still be complete and whole and yourself, you are at your authentic best. And you're whole and lovable and intact, and you don't need someone else to define you. And when you, you know, Bob, you alluded to it, and Marlon, too, when you think about not wanting to be in love again, You really limit yourself. And our expectations about love are complex. So understanding yourself and how you grieve, and how you grieve is a personal thing. Understanding it helps you physically, mentally, and spiritually. And it helps you get to where you can accept love from others you can get into relationships and nurture them you know um yeah teaching young children how to be a friend oh my i don't know if you're a parent or if you've ever tried to teach a youngster how to be a good friend it's sometimes very painful because As young children, they're more selfish. It's me, me, me. And as we grow, as we mature, that friendship love can really be a long, enduring love. So I encourage everybody to look at encouraging, bringing love back into your life. All right. I have some tools that I am willing to share, but I want to make sure that there's nobody else who wants to bring anything up. No. Nope. All right. The first thing that I want to share is affirmations. And the affirmations that I'm going to give you are affirmations that allow you, when you say them out loud, when you say them, they are they are good for your soul. And Marlon, I love that you are doing mirror exercise, mirror work, because that's a good place to do affirmations. So number one, I am willing and allowing. To release the need, to release the need to blame or shame myself. I am willing and allowing to release the need to blame or shame myself. Next one. I am willing to see my perfection. I am willing to see my perfection. Next one. I withdraw my energy and focus. I withdraw my energy and focus from the past. And release all barriers. Release all barriers against the love that I know is my birthright. Against the love that I know is my birthright. And this last one is such a good one. I pray for the highest good of all concerned. I pray for the highest good of all concerned.
0: And if you have some kind of an issue around the word pray, you could just say I intend. Okay. All right. Thank you. Marlin.
3: Yeah, I have a, a question for you and Bridge. Um, so is there a difference between saying uh for the highest good of all concerned and uh just for the highest good of all? Because I usually when I pray, I say for the highest good of all. Um and, and I was wondering if uh, there's like a recommendation to against doing that uh, in certain situations.
1: I would say is similar enough. A reason I believe I say for all concerned is if it's, if it's an issue that I have with someone who has left me specifically, and I'm dealing with denial and anger and, and that kind of thing, I'm specifying that that's what's in my head. However, saying I pray for the highest good of all means you're praying for all of humanity, everybody, and I think that's I think that's great, and a good affirmation. Thank. It has to feel comfortable to you in order for it to you know, to land. And so there is no right or wrong. Awesome. (laughs) Thanks, Marlon. All right. And we are coming up on 10 minutes to the hour and I'm going to,
0: um, Burge, do you think I should do the candle ceremony? Yes. Okay. I'd like for you to share. This is a wonderful, wonderful, tool that everyone can use that will find peace. You'll be able to find peace. It's for when this is specifically for people that when they go through the veil uh, for that kind of grief or you feel incomplete, like they left suddenly or even if they didn't. Because a part of us goes with, so the thing is, if you believe in energy, you'll, many of us go with that other person. Parts of us can be scattered because we're going with these, we're following them energetically. And so we could feel empty because of that as well. So bringing the parts of us back here in the third dimension in our bodies sometimes, but we're talking energy wise, okay? However, uh, this is a really great little, um, uh, it's a very powerful, impactful tool to use to feel more complete and bring parts of you back that you feel scattered about and just feeling more at ease with anyone that's gone through the veil.
1: This is a candle ceremony. What you need is to get a white candle, either a taper or a column candle. Okay, that's the first step. And then once you light the candle, you wanna watch the flame and call the name of the person that who has left you, whatever. Okay, you want to call the name and watch the flame because you will see the flame rise. You'll see it rise. And that's like the presence, the signature. And then you want to ask questions out loud. So if you have something that you wanted to ask and didn't before the person went through the veil, transition, graduated, or you have something that you want to say that you didn't say, that's when you do it. The biggest piece of this is that When you are asking, what is your message for me? So when you're asking the person, what is your message? You really want to listen with your higher self. Because you're not necessarily going to hear a voice like mine, but something is going to come into your head. You're either going to hear someone or you're, you're going to feel someone telling you something and you want to listen to that and you want to allow it to come in. And when you feel that that is complete, that you're not feeling or hearing anymore Then you want to open your eyes and blow out the candle and say, we are complete for now. We are complete for now.
0: So to just add to that, there's a demarcation. So you want to just say whatever you want to say. And allow yourself to feel, and you can be angry, you can be sad, you can be, are you okay? Are you not okay? Why did you leave? I don't know what I'm doing, or, you know, I hate you, I love you, I, whatever the feelings are, you allow it just to flow out and not think about it, but -hmm. you say it out loud. And then that's when you close your eyes, when you feel complete with that, you close your eyes and you say, what would you like to say to me? What is your message for me? And that's what you get in your heart and in your mind and just trust it and and it
1: is a very it's a very powerful little ceremony i shouldn't say little it's a very powerful ceremony it's not a little ceremony because when you complete it you have a sense of peace and that's that's the goal. You want to be able to be at peace, whether it's to ask a question or to tell them something. So that is um, that next piece. All right. Any questions about anything that we have talked about so far? Because I just want to share with you about Essence of Being and the Conscious Leadership Academy. And right now I am just going to, um, I dropped my information in the chat so that you can get in touch with me if you desire, as I said. I'm a certified coach with eob and if something came up tonight that you have some questions about and didn't want to ask in the group reach out to me reach out to birds reach out to any of us we we're here for you and that's part of the conscious leadership academy and so what i would like to do is share my screen um I want to tell you first that uh, we have a one-day Essence of Abundance coming up this weekend. All right, Saturday. And the link that I put in the chat leads you to this page. And if you aren't familiar with the Conscious Leadership Academy, we invite you... To come to a session. They're on Tuesday nights at eight o'clock Eastern. And this month, January and February, we've been talking about abundance. So there, you know, the page explains it, gives you testimonials. So check it out if you're not sure. And once you're here. You can go to the CLA Live Events, and that is where you see that the 24th Essence of Abundance is in person. March 9th, it's going to be a five-hour online workshop, and if you've not attended Essence of Being, we are doing it again in April in atlanta so consider those and then the other piece that i want to mention is if you click on the essence of being page we are doing high vibes on the high seas in october and my husband and i have already signed up and we are looking forward to it Um, if you've never done high vibes It's an extension of the different things that we learned in essence of being passionate mastery, but you don't have to have done those. It's, it's just, I don't know how to describe it, Burge. It's so good. You know, I went and now I'm going to be able to do it on this cruise is it's going to be awesome. So just briefly back to CLA. Um, so I, I just wanted to share that. But briefly, what I wanted to share with you is that the Conscious Leadership Academy is truly a second family to me. Um, the love and the support that I receive from all of my partners in this whole CLA mission is unparalleled. It's It helps keep me focused on how I'm showing up consciously in the world. And as Burge shared with you earlier, you know, this um, I am looking at uh, my tenacious teachers. I have started this personal development program to show teachers how valuable they are. Um, they've gotten a bad rap, and and they're, you know, they're struggling. And so, essence of being has taught me so much, and CLA continues to teach me. I'm a work in progress. So, I definitely want to thank everybody for being here tonight. I want to thank Burge for having me and for offering. The added insight because I'm a work in progress and she helps me. She's she's a fantastic mentor. So she helps me along the way. And um I look forward to connecting with lots of you. Reach out to me, send me an email, shoot so, me a
0: text. So Sue, let me just in, uh, interrupt you because. Everybody is going to get everybody's going to be getting an email if you registered for this call tonight. You'll be getting an email in the next week or two uh, that will give you an opportunity to book a strategy session with Sue. So she'll see her picture and say, hey, talk to me. So she'll have um, uh, offers for you just to have 30-minute free strategy session in the next week or two, especially if some things came up for you tonight. We don't want to leave you hanging. Uh, And you don't have to wait till you get the email, like she said. But just be looking for that and just take advantage of it. And also take advantage of our Tuesday nights uh, calls that we have. It's free for people to come in one time just to experience what all this is about as far as our Conscious Leadership Academy. So you can come in and do that for for free on a Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. And next week, I just want to say next, not next week, next month. Our, our next power hour. It's always the third Wednesday of every month. And next time, March 20th, mark your calendars, we're going to be playing with conscious relationships. Relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we're going to be going into our relationship, being conscious. We're conscious leaders, empowering others to create a win win world. That's what we're all about. And we, you know, we've taught on six continents and there's people all around the globe. It's a global community. So we invite you to come play with us. And next time it's going to be about conscious relationships. Now that we have love and grief that Sue masterfully moved us through. Is there anything else you want to say before I say thank you, Miss Sue? Thank you for
1: reminding all of us about March 20th. Um, These are great little sessions. And I... It's a great community. I can't say enough about it. So I'm grateful for this opportunity.
0: Thank you, Sue TK. We really appreciate you. Let's give her a round of applause. It's awesome. I hope that you thank you. 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 I accept that. Thank you. Very well done. And until we meet again if come play with us, we invite you to come just be supported. You don't have to do this alone. There are people out there in the world That really can be authentic and conscious and support you and whatever your vision is. And it just all you have to do is say, Yes, I want to play. And it's absolutely, uh, we're out there.
1: People need people. We do. We do.
0: People who need people. (laughs) Uh, Barbara Strauss Act. Yep. (laughs) Are the luckiest people. In the the world. World. I'll leave you with that. Yes. All right. Oh my gosh. And ringing in your ears. But we, we love to play because play is, is necessary. Yes. And even though you may feel love and you may feel grief, you can also feel joy and play and love and embrace all of it as a whole person. Thank you, Sue. Thank you all for joining us tonight. Until we see you next time. Love mm-hmm. you. You focus on expands. <laughs> Thanks, Birge. Thank you. Thank you. Good to see you, Kim Thanks, Hale. everyone. You too. Thank you for sharing. Bob. Happy. Bye. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks, Birge Thank and Sue. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, Sue. Shit. Yeah.